Merry Christmas. Boy, I feel the enthusiasm. It's going to be a good day. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There you go. Hey, I got good news. Uh, our rock star lead guitarist, Pearson Farnell, uh, got engaged over the weekend, huh? <laughs> I believe his fiance is here, right? Congratulations to you both. That's awesome. Uh, and it's all because they downloaded our virtual date night. So that's uh, way to go. All right. So just, just a plug there if you're thinking, right? Uh, so there's another one of our worship band getting engaged. So I guess if you want to get engaged, join the worship band. That's just a whole uh, do with that as you will. Uh, also, some other good news. Uh, although parties have been canceled, concerts have been canceled, games have been canceled, family get-togethers maybe not canceled but postponed or half of what they used to be, churches are half-filled of what they normally are, the good news is Christmas is still going to happen. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad? You can't cancel Christmas. <laughs> not a worldwide pandemic. Nothing can cancel Christmas. We're going to have it. Whatever it looks like, it may be weird, it may be different, you may be in hazmat suits and masks, but we're going to have Christmas, right? You can come here, we're going to have Christmas Eve services, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be great. We're going to have candles, real live candles, COVID-free real live candles, and you can take them home with you so you don't spread your germs, right? Yeah. So it's going to be great, and it's good news that even though in this crazy time that we're in, there is hope. <laughs> Man. What, a, what an important time for that message to ring true through our mouths and through our actions and through our smiles under our masks uh, that people know we still have joy regardless of what the circumstances might be. And I just think that's so important. This is a very hopeless time. This is a very humbling time for so many people. Because one of the things it's caused us to do through this pandemic is it's caused us to readdress our priorities, what really is important in our lives. I mean, if you're one of those people that put all your faith in your bank account, your career, your reputation, your relationships, your identity, so much of that has been taken away from us. It's where all we have left is to understand that our faith is in the one who is faithful. There's only one who is faithful. There's only one thing that is faithful, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who we can always count on him, right? In the midst of darkness, he is our shining star. He is our light. He is our rescuer. Now, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking back in 2019. Remember 2019? And we talked about 2020 and businesses and churches. It's the year of vision, 2020 vision. We're all equating it with perfect vision, right? This is going to be the year of vision. Nobody saw this coming, <laughs> right? I don't care how cute your slogan was. You didn't see this one coming. Right? And so it's not about vision, now it's about a virus. We've gone from talking about vision to viruses. It's just crazy. And because of that, it's just a weird place to be. It's a weird place to live. It's a weird time to live. So bring on Christmas, right? Some sense of what we're used to. Some sense of expectation. In fact, I don't know if you've heard this, but this year, actually starting tomorrow, Apparently about 45 minutes after sunset, if you look up in the southwest sky, you will get to see the Christmas star. It happens every 20 years that the Christmas star appears. It's when Jupiter and Saturn align in such a way that it creates a, a bright star in the dark sky. What's unique about this year 
is this certain alignment hasn't happened for over 800 years. Back to 1226, we, we have this specific alignment of those two planets. So starting tomorrow night, you can look up in the southwest sky and see the Christmas star. Isn't it amazing that God knew we needed a brilliant point of light in our life right now? You think that's by accident? I don't think so. Coincidence? No. Just the timing felt just right? No, I don't think so. Right? We get to see the star in the midst of that darkness. What does that say to you about God? Just that realization that even in the midst of our darkness, there is a brilliant light. What does that say to you about God? How does that define your image of who he is? None of us expected 2020. Today we're going to look at the Christmas story. And in same fashion, nobody expected that that was going to be the first Christmas. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't for a group of angels proclaiming, it maybe it would have been only Mary and Joseph that knew what was happening that night. But just like we are going to be able to look up and see a star in the southwest sky, the world was very dark when Jesus was born. In fact, those who followed God hadn't heard from him in 400 years. <laughs> He'd been silent. Now, they knew Messiah had been promised, but they had no idea he was going to come like this. They had no idea that this was the time. It almost just became a folklore. But at just the right time, just the right place, in just the right way, Jesus shows up. He still does that today, doesn't he? When we're at the end of our rope, the bottom of the barrel, he shows up and reminds us he is dependable. So let's look at that story. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. and She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What an incredible story. There's so much we could talk about in this story. One of the things that stands out, I think, in a very stark fashion is the all-inclusiveness of this story. How many people are involved in this story? When you start to look at the characters, starting with the shepherds, they were the first to hear. The angels appeared to them first. Now, shepherds, if you knew the context of that day, shepherds were the lowest class citizens possible. They were considered unclean by the church because they worked with animals and they smelled like animals and some of them looked like animals. So they were considered animals themselves, outcast by society, rejected by the church because of their careers. But that's the first group that got to hear the good news. This whole thing started from a Roman Caesar who declared that a census needed to be taken. So everybody had to go back to their hometown. So an engaged couple, the woman great with child, had to go to Bethlehem to be recorded. There they encountered a business owner who owned a hotel. I don't think it was a Marriott hotel. I hope it wasn't. Who said, there's no room for you. You can't stay here. So as a result, this baby was born in a barn, stable, put in a manger. That same night, the shepherds hear the angels proclaiming Messiah has been born. Magi in the east who study the stars, astrologists who study the skies and the stars see a new star, a Christmas star that appears, and they want to go find out what's going on. They come across King Herod, evil, crazy, lunatic King Herod, who hears the story about a king who has been born, doesn't know anything about this king, doesn't know if it's really real. Tell the wise men, if you find him, tell me so I can give him honor as well. It's an evil plot to kill this king. The Magi find it, Jesus find it. Some believe it took up to two years to find him. But in a dream to one of the Magi, they are revealed that they can't go back the same way they came. They have to avoid Herod, and they do. And so his plot at least is foiled for the meantime. From shepherds to kings and everybody in between, are involved in this Christmas story, which to me screams out the truth of the gospel, of the Christmas story, that all people have value in the eyes of God. All people, from shepherds to kings, they all have value. We all have value. Even though you might be devalued by things and others devalue all the, you all the time, and you suffered great loss in identity and reputation, still God sees you as valuable. So valuable that he gave you the greatest gift he could give you. I think that's illustrated with the shepherds. Again, considered unclean outcast, yet a very important part of this story. They really fit the whole motif of what God is doing by the way he brings his son to earth. It's also interesting that Jesus is born in the stable. This is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right? There's no one greater. He should be born in a palace. There should be a parade and a celebration. All the celebrities should be there to witness this birth. 
There were no celebrities. There were no cameras, no reporters. Only a few knew what was going on. And he's born in a stable, a barn, which when you think about it, where would shepherds feel most comfortable? They wouldn't feel comfortable in an inn, at a hotel. They wouldn't be invited in or a palace. No way could they get in there. Not even a private home because they were considered unclean. They'd have to go be purified before they could even go into somebody's house. But a stable, yeah, they could fit there. They could approach that scene. They could witness in that context. Again, I think God is crying out in this segment of the story that I am here for everyone. Jesus is accessible to all. We say it in our church, one of the things we value is the gospel for all people. No one is excluded. Jesus died for all. It's wrapped up in John 3.16, right? The gospel in a nutshell. God makes it clearly plain to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. Jesus is accessible. I mean, he demonstrated that in his whole life. I mean, think about it. He was born in a barn that didn't belong to him. After he was crucified, he was placed in a tomb that didn't belong to him. He had no possessions. Throughout his life, he was humble. He was gentle. He was approachable. Even by the Pharisees, who gave him such a hard time. All the way down to the blind and the lame. He was accessible to all, his entire life, his entire ministry. He was available. William Barclay wrote this, that there was no room in the inn was symbolic of what was to happen to Jesus. The only place where there was room for him was on a cross. He sought an entry to the overcrowded hearts of people. He couldn't find it, and still his search and his rejection goes on. I think we are many times guilty of an overcrowded heart. We don't have room for him. Jesus is inconvenient to me right now. My hope and prayer is one of the things that the pandemic has done for us is to kind of clean the slate, to give us some room, to give us some space, to acknowledge that we need to make space for Jesus. He deserves space. In fact, if we will give him space, then everything else will fall into its proper place. We want to be that kind of church that anyone can walk in these doors and be confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, confronted with his love. Regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they've been or where they are from, regardless of what they look like, talk like, or smell like, all are welcome here. Maybe we need to decorate our church like a stable, huh? (laughs) Some of you guys would love that. Bring your horses right in, right? Maybe that's a, not a bad design for a church. Or Jesus is accessible. We have to tell people that only Jesus saves. Only Jesus can forgive 
their sin. Only Jesus can change us. That's the good news of the gospel. Just as I am, right? We sing that song, that old hymn, just as I am. I can come to God just like I am. I don't have to clean up, dress up, or fix up. But once I come to Jesus, he loves me too much to leave me that way. When you come to Jesus, he will change you for the good, for the better. Honestly, it doesn't always feel that way. But we can trust him. You can trust God. Can I tell you that? He will never let you down. He will never abandon you. Even when you don't handle things right. Even when you don't handle him right. Even when you abandon him, he will not abandon you. God is faithful. He is worthy of your trust. He is trustworthy. And we all know people who are not, right? But God always is. So everyone has value and everyone has a choice when it comes to Jesus. Some will say yes and some will say no. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So we see that, that there is unity in Christ which this list says to us, everyone can be a part of the body of Christ. Because of Jesus, all who will receive him, all who will invite Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of their life will be adopted into God's family once and forevermore. This is the good news of the gospel, where we have a choice. And people ask, well, what about people who have never heard about Jesus? What about people who have never heard the gospel? What about the, the people living on a mountaintop in Tibet? I don't know how that works. I don't know how God reveals himself in those moments, but when I read a story about a God who sent angels to tell shepherds, I think God can handle it. I find comfort in Romans 1.18 where Paul writes, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So God reveals himself through creation to cause us as human beings, created beings, to question, there must be something greater just by what I see. Surely this didn't just happen. God has revealed himself in many ways, in creative ways. But it also reminds me that this is my job too. I am to go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And the promise is God says, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. And that's where we have to take the gospel. That's why we support Lottie Moon mission offering. That's why we give to missions through our church budget and through special offerings throughout the year like we're doing here at Christmas, that we might send out missionaries called by God to take this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth so everyone can hear because Jesus says everyone needs to hear. I died for all. 
How awesome is it that we get to be a part of that here in Burleson, Texas, to reach the ends of the earth with the greatest message ever told? Whether by going or giving or praying, we have a responsibility. So look at some of the other Christmas characters in this story. Mary and Joseph, you know, they didn't have to say yes. The angel revealed this is the plan, but they could have bailed. They could have said, well, that's way too much. Mary was going to lose her reputation. To be an unmarried pregnant woman was tough in those days. Incredible ridicule, put aside, cast out. But look at what she said in Luke 1.38. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Man. In other words, God, whatever, whatever it takes, whatever you need from me, whatever you ask of me, I will do it. May it come true. I mean, she had to be realizing all that God was saying, all that this was going to require, all that, that he was asking of her. She didn't understand how it was going to happen, right? This doesn't make sense. I took biology class. This is not, I can't figure this one out. She said yes, which is always the right answer when it comes to God, right? Then you have the innkeeper. Not surely, not really why, know why there wasn't no, there was no room in the inn. I, I don't really know why. Uh, maybe he saw Mary and Joseph and thought, well, I need to wait for someone more important to come to town because everybody's coming to town. Now, Joseph was a carpenter, so he probably had an income, so he probably had money. He could have, afford, could have afforded a hotel room for a night. But maybe the innkeeper wanted someone more prestigious, maybe a bigger tipper. <laughs> or maybe he just didn't like their type. I mean, they were from Nazareth, by the way. And that's, if you remember Philip, when he became a disciple of Jesus, he went and told his brother Nathaniel, hey, I have met the Messiah and he's from Nazareth. Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, come on. So maybe there was prejudice from the innkeeper. Maybe he was more focused on his income. I mean, who turns away a pregnant woman? Come on, right? Find a rollaway, a cot, something. Give her the couch. How do you turn away a pregnant woman? It's pretty cold. He just didn't have room. I don't have time. Jesus is still rejected today, isn't he? Some people just don't have room for him. I don't have time. I'm waiting for something better, maybe. Or maybe he's just not good. Some people don't think Jesus is good. If Jesus is good and Jesus is loving, then why do all these things happen? See how important our message is? Because people are misinformed. I mean, Christmas demonstrates to us how good our God is. He gave his only son who left heaven and heaven is awesome, right? He left all of that to come live here, which is not so awesome. <laughs> to be one of us. To be tempted in every way like us. To be rejected like us. To be devalued like us. But he did it because he is love. That's what the world needs to hear.
And then King Herod, well, he's a whole other story, who was insanely suspicious and jealous of this potential king. Story has it that King Herod had his wife, his mother-in-law, and two sons murdered because he thought they were trying to overthrow his kingdom. Caesar said it is better to be Herod's pig than to be one of his sons. <laughs> that dude was whacked. It's crazy. Yet the truth had been revealed to him. Like the shepherd, he had every opportunity to praise the new king, not to be threatened by him, but he chose to reject him. But even in that, <laughs> that Herod heard the message again displays for us that Jesus is accessible to all people. The Bible says that God will raise up the lowly and he will humble the proud. It takes humility to come to Christ. And if 2020 hasn't humbled you, I don't know what will. <laughs> everything we thought was secure, everything we put our hope in, prove to us, will let us down. There is only one. But if we're prideful, we try to do this on our own. We try to live our own life and we reject the Savior. Then we will be brought low. If you want to be the greatest in this kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. Jesus demonstrated that, did he not? Is there anyone greater than Jesus? No. But he came to serve us all. A servant leader, but a servant still. To demonstrate again for us, what does it take to have a relationship with the Father? So our job is not to force people to say yes to Jesus. But our job is to make sure they get to see him. Whether they're shepherds or they're kings. This is the church's job. Those who claim Jesus as Lord, this is our responsibility. This is our mission, our great commission. If you follow Jesus, you have received that commission to tell others the truth of Jesus. And what a great time of year to do it. So here's the challenge I have for you. Share your Jesus story with someone this week. Someone who's far from God. Someone you know who doesn't believe in Jesus. Someone who's hurting. Someone who's stressed out and anxious because of this pandemic. Someone who needs to hear a message of hope. Tell your Jesus story. Just like these shepherds, leave here praising and glorifying God. The way you can do that is tell them what Jesus has done in your life. What were you like before you met Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? And how has he changed you? That is your Jesus story. And somebody around you needs to hear it, and they need to hear it now. Because they need to know that hope is alive. Hope is available. Ask yourself the question, is there anybody that I know who is far from God, who I know their life would be better if Jesus was at the center?
It might not be perfect. It might still be a struggle, but their life would be better if Jesus was at the center. And so I challenge you to tell them that there is good news. Because a savior, a rescuer, a redeemer, a forgiver, a leader has been born to them. And they are welcome to come and see. Let's pray. Father, your love overwhelms us. It, when we reflect on it and contemplate it, it brings us to our knees. We are so unworthy of your love. We are so messy and messed up and wounded and lost and hurt and rejected and afraid and anxious that many times we don't think we're worth anything to anyone. But as we consider Jesus' birth, we're reminded that we matter to the one who matters. So thank you, Father, for creating us, for seeing us as valuable. For those of us who have received your son, Jesus, We've invited him to be the leader and the forgiver of our life. May this week we encounter someone who needs to hear our story. And Father, give us boldness and courage to share it, even if we don't know them. But even if we do. No excuses, Father. We need to tell the story. In Jesus' name, amen.